show. I am your host, Keith Cork, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host and good friend here, Mr. Trey Hill, just to break down a couple weeks of action here, Trey, maybe about a week and a half since we last spoke. Uh, well, you know, the Bulls have been pretty much up. I mean, you know, playing pretty well, um, performing what we would expect or, or even a little bit better. So, you know, you can't be too down on this team, but obviously we are uh, recording on the heels of a pretty bummer of a loss to the Sacramento Kings. So I think I want to start there, Trey. Um, you know, how did you feel? I mean, let, let me just start this with this. How do you feel about how do you feel about De'Aaron Fox? He's been the most clutch player in the league this year, which is funny because this is the year they introduced the, the clutch award. And I think he's far and away the favorite for it. And he showed again last night why that is. Um, I thought that the Bulls competed well against yeah. the Kings, who are second or third in the in the West at this point. They've been playing excellent. They have the best offense, I think, in history right now at this point. And that, you know, that's going to be the best offense every year for the next couple of years is going to be the best ever. But right now that's the Kings and the Bulls were able to hold them to only 117 points, which I know sounds crazy, but those <laughs> are the times we live in. So I thought the Bulls were competitive. I, it sucks to lose, especially on the last second shot, yeah. but I wasn't disappointed in the Bulls uh, performance or effort or, or anything of the sort. Yeah, and I, it may hurt. Like, it definitely was a stab in the heart when he hit that shot. But, like, man, hats off to Darren Fox. That guy uh, having an incredible season. The entire Kings and, uh, you know, team is having an incredible season. I know, Trey, you and I were both, like, really high on that team coming into this season. So, good to see them doing well. I've, I've got a bunch of bets on their overs for win totals that have already hit. And and um, I got a couple of plus odds bets also on their um, – uh, making the playoffs, which is definitely going to hit at this point. So, um, I thought the Bulls did a good job defending it. Io, Io got a good contest on it, and I, I don't yeah, remember yeah. who it was, but someone was coming over to double him because they knew the clock was so low he was going to have to shoot. Yeah, but he yeah. got it up a little bit quicker than they were expecting with the point seven being left. But I, I thought the Bulls played pretty good defense. It was defended well. Possession. No, I, yeah, it, it it hurt, but like at the same time, like you just, you just kind of have to tip your hat and say, you know what. You got that one. And even the Bulls wouldn't, shouldn't even really have been in that one, honestly, Trey, because I thought that three-point foul was kind of a little BS, honestly, if I'm being honest with you guys. I mean, it's it, technically a foul. Yeah, you have to let the you know jump shooter fall or land, uh, you know, have space to land. But uh, that was the second time that game where they had called that on, uh, on the Kings. And so I just felt like that was a little bit of BS. So and, and a, a little piece of me does say the, the Kings definitely deserve to win that one. Actually, a large piece of me says that, and uh, I'm not really upset about the loss. I am happy about the way they stayed competitive. Um, Zach Levine struggled in the first half also. If he doesn't go, you know, I think it was 4 of 14 for his first, first 14 shots, then, you know, I think this is probably a different story. I think the Bulls probably win this one by, like, six, seven, eight points, you know. Um, I mean, but Levine, I mean, we, we can talk a little bit about him, but I think for me in this game specifically, uh, Trey, it was DeMar DeRozan. It was him looking healthy again. You know, dealt with that hamstring injury for a long time, and um, now it's just looking like he's finally back to, uh, or was it a groin injury? Either way, something in the in the lower nether regions there. Either way, he's looking more like himself at this point, and uh, and out there really balling the way that we we saw him do the last you know season or two. He was, and I I think what really worries me is we 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 mentioned before the pod, and this is just hitting me now. So this is a, an on air epiphany. We mentioned before the pod how. Other than this game, Zach has looked really, really good these last few games. Yeah. And is it is it a coincidence that the game that DeMar comes back and looks like himself, it's the game that Zach struggles to get himself going? 
that's interesting. That is interesting. And I know there's just just, some, just something I thought of. I, I want yeah. I wanted to put out there. But it, so while you chew on that, in terms of Demar, I you're right. I thought I thought he looked a bit more just natural uh, last last night. Just um, which is good. That's one of those things. It's a nagging injury and. Honestly, I, I didn't expect him to look that good. So I, I don't know if it was just the fact that he was he was back in California that made that made him happy or what. But I I'll be curious to see because they, they did have a lot of a lot of time off. They played Sunday, then they didn't play until Wednesday, they didn't play again until Saturday, then they were off until Wednesday. Now they're they're gonna play Friday, Saturday, Monday, Wednesday. We'll see how DeMar looks when he's not getting multiple days off in between games. But hopefully this was enough to, for him to heal up all the way. Having said all that, if DeMar is healed all the way, is he going to be what holds Zach back from being the player he was these last couple games? It's a fair point. And, uh, you know, I honestly had not even thought about that. You know, it's it's hard for me to be like, okay, if one succeeds, the other can't succeed. Because um, we have seen, you know, all three with DeMar DeRozan, uh, Nikola Vujovic, and Zach succeed in, in certain games this season uh, and last season as well. And, you know, when that's happening, I mean, the Bulls look very, very good. And so, like, it's hard for me to say that like, completely, you know, one has to – one hand has to, you know, take over the other. Like, I don't know if that's necessarily true. Like, it's not a yin or yang type thing. Um, but I do think it's an interesting question. I do think one of the narratives, especially in Chicago media, is, you know – Who's that? Who's the dude, right? Who's that guy? Who's the guy taking the last second shot for the Bulls? Who's the guy um, that you put the ball in, the, in their hands? And you know, for a large portion of the season, Zach's looked terrible in those situations. But recently, he's been that guy. You know, if you need a bucket in a game, he's been the guy we've been going to. He's been playing really well, like you, like you, you know, mentioned there. So um, here, here's my question back to you. I mean, do you see? Is this the off season that the Bulls move on from this? Is this the off season where the Bulls deal Demar or even Zach, maybe? And you know, break it apart. I, I don't see them moving Zach just because he he is such a three level scorer. He is able to to do things that Demar just can't in terms of the three point shooting and the athleticism plus Demar's age. I I would I would be surprised if they don't at least shop Demar around, see what the market is for him. But again, and coming out, it, he's gotten a third surgery. If by, you know, we get lucky and it actually looks like he might actually get to play next year at some point, they might think, oh, we want to roll, run it back one more time. And they could probably trade DeMar for almost just as much, if not more, at the trade deadline next year. And so for me, I, I kind of expect that um, Lonzo missing the entire year and, and probably a lot of next year. I can see them trying to run it back one more time and then at the next trade deadline, then looking to move DeMar to a contender. Yeah. And also, you know, you know me, I was hoping at this trade deadline, they would like at least shop him a little bit. I didn't hear any real, real, like serious rumblings about that happening. I was surprised a little bit to hear the Zach thing. I, I, mean, I heard on one podcast, yeah. podcast, I think it was David Aldridge said, DeMar was cool on the idea of going back to the Lakers when mm-hmm. the, there was that, that quick notion that they might trade DeMar for those two first-round picks, and then it quietly just was it, – it didn't get talked about anymore. Yeah. David Aldridge, I think it was, was the only guy I heard that. But I think the Bulls might have might have approached DeMar with the idea of going back to the Lakers, and I don't, I don't think he was too keen on the idea. 
Well, he's a seasoned veteran at this point. You know, it's nothing's going to surprise him. It's not going to be like you know he's not going to get butt hurt if the Bulls trade him. So uh, I do think it's it's something like you said. It's something they should explore this offseason, see what they can get back, um, see what that looks like. But um, but I think one good reason to look at trading Demar has been the recent play of, of Patrick Williams. You know, we we spoke a little bit about that uh, before we hopped out here, Trey. But he's looked he's looked really really good, man. He's been really turning the corner on offense for me. Uh, you know, that's been really the thing holding him back. But it's, you know, we, we mentioned it already, so there's not much more we can add to previous pods where we talked about him. But his decision-making has been so much faster. I think that's really the the, the main key uh, to him being successful now. And I, I know that's kind of your point, so I'm kind of stealing it from you, so I apologize. But but it is true. I was watching him a little bit more closely. That's not just my point. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's around, right? It's, not, it's something you can look and watch the games and see. Uh, but this is something I was keyed into. Uh, against this Kings, uh, you know, team, I think it was um, every time he got the basketball, especially when the Kings went to that zone, which we can talk about also. But uh, he was not afraid to shoot the basketball, and uh, I was really happy to see that. Three of five from three pointers, five of twelve from the field. Taking twelve shots alone is, I'm, I'm happy with that. So, but yeah, talk to me about Patrick Williams, man. Oh, he's the Bulls' best three-point shooter this year mm-hmm. uh, yeah. by percentages, and you mentioned he's just making quicker decisions. He he's more decisive on the offensive, and that that comes with playing time. He, yeah. he's a, he is a passive player on a team that was thrown together and was trying to gel, and he didn't get the playing time. So for me, this is just a natural progression. He, he gets his feet wet. He gets used to the NBA speed. He finds his place in the offense, which is what he has been doing. And now that he's comfortable in his role in the offense, he can find his ways to capitalize from that, which is what he's doing. It's why he's so quick to shoot, and it's why he's able to attack those closeouts. I I think it's just a natural progression. It's why I was so adamant on not giving up on him. And the only thing I can add is I was listening to the Zach Lowe podcast, and I think it was with in the Micaiah Duncan part. Yeah. One of them mentioned that Patrick Williams was a top three isolation defender this year. Yeah. So yeah. with whatever numbers they have access to that I don't, Patrick Williams is that you can throw on someone and he's going to play pretty good. He's going to play pretty close to shut down defense when it comes to that. And that's what we need him for in a conference with Giannis and Tatum and players like that. I remember there was one inbounds play I was watching him specifically on defense, and that it was like the third quarter or fourth quarter. I can't remember which one it was. But, um, like, he switched on to three different guys over the course of – before the ball had even inbounded. And, like, you know, he, he was, like, reading everything. He'd stopped the first couple passes just by himself. Uh, and then they ended up guarding the guy with the basketball, I believe, when it got inbounded, which, you know, it's just, it just impressed me. Um, athleticism is definitely there. So, yeah, I am glad at this point now that the Bulls didn't give up on him. I know I've been, you know, I've been up and down on him. I mean, you know, not, not going to lie. I have probably in the past on this on the show advocated for for looking at trading him at least. But, uh, but at this point in time, yeah, I think he's definitely a key to the future. I'm looking at his games played here, Trey. Through the first two seasons, 89 games. I mean, this is basically season two still for him, right? I mean, so – Again, like you said, it's a, it's a pr- natural progression here. It's something that we wanted to see from him, something we hadn't seen up until I would say maybe about a month or a month and a half ago. But, man, something's definitely clicked for him, and, and I'm happy to see it, man. He's been really, really good. And that's been a big key for the Bulls winning these games recently. So uh, not just and he's played in every game this year, hasn't yeah. he? Uh, 68 games, so, yeah, I believe so, yeah. Yeah, uh, yes. Yeah, he's played in 68, started 59, but – it's nice to see him, and he's averaged 28 minutes a game, so it's not like he's out there, only getting out there a couple minutes at a time. So this year he, he's shown that those injuries might have been more fluke than trend, and hopefully he can continue to stay on the court because as he's shown, 
if he stays on the court, he's going to continue to develop. Uh, let's go back to uh, one more point here from that Kings uh, game, though, I want to go back to because I was watching that one closely, knowing we were going to talk today. Um, the third quarter, obviously the Bulls' worst quarter. I believe they lost like 30, like 15 points, 20 points, something like that um, in that quarter. And a uh, big part of that was the the Kings going to a, a zone again. I don't know. Uh, they lost 37 to 22, so 15 points. They were, they were down that quarter. But again, it's a zone giving Bulls troubles. I mean, and it wasn't really the shooting. I mean, the Bulls, If I felt like as I was watching it, the Bulls were not afraid to take those three-point shots. And they had uh, Vush in good spots also, uh, I felt, I thought, in, in the zone. So I don't really know why, you know, we struggle so much against that zone. I feel like we still – we I've said this before. We have the shooters. They just don't shoot in volume like other other teams do. I think Vooch going 0 from 7 in that game was, wasn't helpful, obviously. Patrick Beverly 1 for 6, so – uh, Zach two for seven. So we didn't shoot the ball particularly well, but they weren't afraid to shoot the shots. No, I, I think that's just where the lack of playmaking really shows up, especially from our main ball handlers. Zach and Damar, we, you know, we harp on it time and time again. They're capable playmakers, but they're not above average, you know, to elite type playmakers. And when you have a zone, <clears throat> you need to have your guys be able to break that down because you might be able to get the shots like we had last time. But if they're not knocking them down, Sacramento is not a very tall team. Zach just needs to get to the rim, yeah. especially especially if it's a zone and he has that kind of space to work with on the floor. Just get to the rim. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And um, could have been some better playmaking there. But uh, overall, I felt like they did a decent job. But, you know, bummer loss again. Um well, we talk about Patrick okay. Williams. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I've, uh, I know, I know you wanted to keep this pod a little short, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring it out a little bit more. So, yeah. the, the problems on offense. Do you think the offense isn't complicated enough because Billy Donovan just doesn't have the chops to have that, that, that diverse of an offense, or do you think it's because he doesn't trust the Bulls playmakers to be able to do the things that other teams do in the league? No, I think it's the I think it's latter. I mean, I think you know, if anything, um, it, the Bulls really tipped you off to how they felt about the roster when they went out and signed Patrick Beverly, you know, after the buyout market in the buyout market. I mean, you had a guy like that. I mean, it's very clear to me. It was very clear that that was the key ingredient that was missing here. They were expecting Lonzo to be back, so it's a real bummer for them. I think you know the continuity thing. It's it's easy. I've been ragging on them on Twitter for that. It's easy to rag on them for that. Um, we want to have more from the from out of the uh, front office and out of the Bulls, obviously. So it's been a disappointing season. But at the same time, like if Lonzo is healthy this season, then the Bulls are probably adding, you know, a good number of wins. I mean, a lot of these games are really close, Trey. So, um, you know, I believe they thought that, that Lonzo was going to be healthy. So I think it's a real bummer there. I agree with you. I think if Lonzo was back or if they had better playmaking that Billy would have than running more complicated stuff that would put the, the players in better positions to yeah. to have better shots against the zones or to just get easy buckets when they can't buy when you know when you can't get a shot, a good coaching staff can draw up a play to get you a layup. Yeah. You might only get one, but sometimes you your offense just needs that one layup to get that stop, to get back on defense and to just get back in the game. Yeah, and yeah. it's it's so often I don't see the Bulls get those get those give you know those give me easy buckets. Well, the Bulls. Um, that's one thing I did notice also in that Kings game was that you know Billy, I heard him calling, yelling on the sideline for them to really try to beat the defense down the court when they had switched to that zone because that's really 
one of the best ways to beat a zone defense is, you know, guys are running back to spots, aren't running back to guys. So if you got in transition, cause a little cause a little chaos in that way and start attacking the rim, it's going to be really difficult for that team to recover and, and stop you. So he was trying to get transition buckets. Um, the Bulls have done a better job of that recently. But, yeah, I mean, Lonzo, when Lonzo was in, obviously, the, the first half of last season, the Bulls were just the top team in transition uh, offense. And there's no question about it. That was the eye test for me. The numbers c- confirmed it. You can go back to the pods recorded that season if, if you need to get those numbers. But, yeah, um, I think that's really – also a key ingredient missing is that, is that the um, Bulls aren't getting out in transition as much as they should. And that's another reason that the zones are really killers for them. Yeah, that tracks. You you mentioned expected wins uh, somewhere mm. a minute ago. And it's funny, I'm looking at cleaning the glass right now. And the Bulls currently were at 31 and 37. But the expected wins is 39 point, 35.9. So basically 36. That's a five-game difference, which yeah. – that would be huge in the standings. I don't have the standings pulled up, but that would have the Bulls definitely in the plan at this point. So it, I know that's just the way the ball bounces. Last year yeah. we were super blessed with how DeMar yeah. performed in the clutch, and this is just kind of regressing back to the mean or even reverting even further the other direction. But yeah. it's really disappointing to see everything just kind of go wrong for this team. If the Bulls had 36 wins, that would put them solidly in eighth uh, ahead of the Hawks and the Raptors and the Wizards. So, uh, and obviously you have to you have to think who who are you taking those wins away from as well. But um, just kind of general ballpark to, uh, puts you about eighth spot. So yeah, um, you'd be a favorite in the play-in, and that, that's about where I, we expected them to be. So yeah, I think that's that tracks. I think for me, um, but yeah, the Bulls have been one of the most unlucky teams. I mean, I, I was I can't remember where it was I saw it on Twitter, but I was talking to you about this before we jumped on. You know. In terms of like net uh, points scored uh, plus minus and where the Bulls sit in that, you know, it's just they, they're supposed to have more wins than they are. They've just been entirely unlucky this season, which really sucks. Um, so, you know, they're about what, you know, honestly, they're about what we expected. It's been a disappointing season because of the bad luck. But in terms of like where they are uh, in their performance, it's about what we expected because we're they're about a seventh or eighth seed um, with the bad luck. They're now sitting in 11th. They're half a game out of the play in, which. Um, you know, really bad spot to be in, especially we don't own our own pick next season, unless it ends up being a top four pick, but um, just a bummer. But you know what? There's still enough time here that the Bulls can sneak into that play in. Um, and who knows? I mean, I'm not expecting much. <laughs> how, how about you? If they, if they get in the play in here, uh, let's say as the ninth seed or something like that, right? Like we're, we're going to be optimistic. I mean, I, I would love to seed. see that. I would love to see them in the play in because I feel like, we see the Bulls get up for games, and it seems like they're able to compete against anyone in the league on any given night. So I could definitely see them winning. But for me, I, you know me, I, I want those lottery odds, man. I want I want to watch Kobe White out there, Patrick Williams, getting that chemistry going some more because uh, they were on a pod, I think, with Casey Johnson. They grew up knowing each other. So having that kind of chemistry, and it seems like you were mentioning it, it shows on the court. Yeah. And it shows in the numbers that when those two are on the court together, the, the lineups are usually pretty positive. So for me, I'm more about developing the guys and making sure Zach, DeMar, Booch, they're just 100% going into next year. I just did one sim of the lottery on Tankathon because I can't help myself when I go there. The Bulls got number four. So there you go. You're welcome, Chicago Bulls. You should hire me. Um, I'm, I'm- I've been screaming lottery odds like since the beginning of you know the middle of the year at least because 
these odds have changed so much that the Bulls have a realistic chance at getting a top four pick. Yeah, we might not get Victor or, you know, shoot one of these top two picks, but even if it's four, we get to keep it. Yeah. Um, so they're currently sitting in, I'm just looking at that right now, they're currently sitting in the eighth, uh, at eighth pick, basically, eighth worst record uh, in the NBA. So they currently have a 26.3% chance to land a top four pick and a 6% chance at the number one overall. But uh, at this point, Trey, they're only a half a game behind. No, I'm sorry. Indiana's a half game ahead of us. So that, that's good. They're only a half uh, a half game behind. Um, no, I'm looking at this wrong. Sorry, I'm looking at this wrong. They are a half game behind the Pacers, so they need to they need to lose more to catch the Pacers uh, and the Portland Trailblazers. And the Magic are kind of out of uh, reach at this point. They're three and a half games uh, behind us. So that's uh, that's a little bit of a bummer there, but yeah, we could we could get. I mean, theoretically, it wouldn't take much for us to get the sixth worst, uh, you know, odds or uh, uh, standings here, and that would give us 34.8 percent chance of a top four pick and 8.3 percent chance at a first round pick. So I would take it. Right, right, 34 percent. That's one in three chance at yeah. getting to keep the Bulls pick right. by being what? What do you say? Two games worse in the standings? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's only one game. Only one game. One game, right? Yeah. That that would be that would be such a huge win for the Bulls franchise and just being able to build this team out because you're not going to have money in free agency to bring in a talent that you're going to be able to get at the number four pick. And so, really, that's where my mind is. So, uh, playing would be would be a, a bitter pill to swallow. But if they get there, I do think the Bulls can compete with anyone. I tend to agree with you. Speaking of the Trailblazers, though, I know you, you I think you mentioned it a little bit there in, uh, in the opening, but uh, Portland is currently sitting a half game behind us, sixth worst record in the NBA right now. Um, I just there's no chance we're getting that pick. They would have to uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight teams would have to leap them for us to get that pick. So it's just not happening. Uh, Portland Trailblazers are. Uh, that that pick's gonna go to them. It's gonna be a lottery pick, uh, most likely. So, uh, big bummer there. Um, what happens with that pick? Do you recall what happens? Is it just a convert to next year? Or it's it- just lottery protected for the next like three years, I think. Okay. So, if Portland doesn't make the playoffs, we don't get the pick. And I think eventually it converts to like two seconds or a second or something. Yeah. Um, that's good. That's interesting to know. I did read somewhere. Uh, someone had said that the trailblazers have incentive though to remove those protections because there's like they've locked themselves from being able to trade picks for the next like nine years or something like that right because they they have to have the picks on hand in case that's the one that has to convey for the bulls whereas if we knew we were getting their pick this year they could trade out picks in the future any chance that they remove those protections any chance they they tap the bulls and say hey let's let's just give you this pick right here i mean Trailblazers, I mean, what, what, what's their incentive? I don't know. What do they do? They want to keep that pick, or do they want to? Would they rather have the ability to trade picks to make the team uh, better? The, team? the only way I see it happening is if they are at the back end of the lottery, and so it doesn't convey that they have like the 14th pick, yeah. and they offer to remove the protection so the Bulls get the 14th pick. And maybe send the bull, you know, maybe send the bull something else for doing it, so that way they can. They can, or maybe not even have to send the Bulls anything because 
let's face it, if it doesn't, if they don't give it up, give up the protections, I don't see Portland making the playoffs. So the pick might not convey at all. Yeah. So maybe it's in Chicago's best interest to take the 14th pick this year, removing that protection, and just let Portland have the chance to trade future first to build around Dame. Because if you're not going to trade Dame away, you really need to be able to build something around him. But to me, I think they should. I think they should pivot the other way and trade Dame. But as a Bulls fan, that I hope they go the opposite direction. Right. Yeah, I think um, I think the Bulls have a lot of incentive to take that 14th pick, um, as you mentioned, like. <clears throat> the salary situation, you know, we don't really have the salary to go add a big time free agent. It's just not going to happen. The big off season move this season is going to be, um, you know, does Booch come back or doesn't he? And what happens with that? That's really it for the Bulls. I mean, they don't have any other space to do anything with it. So uh, you're adding a rookie guy. I go ahead a rookie skill contract that could potentially be a contributor. And let's not forget, I mean, the Bulls have Dale and Terry. And, you know, I know we didn't mention him uh, with the Kings recap, but I felt like he gave some really positive minutes in that game. And he's been playing here and there, and I, I like what I see out of him every time he steps on the floor. But uh, what are your thoughts so far on Dale and Terry this season? I think he should play every game at this yeah. point. There's no reason that he shouldn't be out there learning the speed of the game, just learning how the NBA game works and getting those reps. He, he played six minutes. I'm looking at it. He played six minutes. And I, I just I want more Dale and Terry because we drafted him for a reason. And I think he has the talent to be out there once he once the game slows down for him. We've seen it with Kobe White this year. We've seen it with Patrick Williams. Um, you know, that's that's how the development goes. And you're not going to develop if you don't get the reps. So I know Dale and Terry plays a bunch down in the G League and that's great, but it's not it's not the NBA, and I would like to see him playing at the NBA level. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Uh, so you mentioned Kobe White and Patrick Williams, and yeah, I, I you know for me, I've seen it with my eyes here. Um, those guys just have such a great rapport on the floor together. I really like that. You know, they've moved Patrick basically to the bench. I mean, sometimes he does start when Cruz was out or something like that, but uh, for the most part, he's been playing off the bench. And even this last game, he played off the bench with with his buddy Kobe White, and they're finding each other for those wide open threes. And it was really, really fun to see. Um, and they really do seem to have a really good chemistry between them. Uh, I didn't actually know that they, even before even before you mentioned it here at the pod right now, didn't know that they knew each other from childhood. So that's that's really interesting. But uh, but yeah, you had some data there about just kind of the top lineups uh, with Kobe White and Patrick Williams so far. Oh, yeah. So I wanted to see what lineups the Bulls were using that were successful that had Patrick Williams in it because – we want Patrick Williams to succeed. We want to see what positions what positions he can be put in to succeed. So the top two lineups both have Kobe White as the point guard, which is that's the thing that stuck out most to me. Mm-hmm. And the top lineup is Kobe, Io, Demar, Patrick Williams, and Drummond. The next one is Kobe, uh, Zach, Demar, Patrick Williams, and Vucevic. Demar and Kobe White, they're the two you know the two that are the same. But the top, the one with uh, Drummond is plus 14. The one with Fusevic is plus 11. So they're both very, very good lineups. And I think that's part of that is that comfortable feeling Patrick Williams has on the court, just knowing how to play with Kobe. And DeMar does such a good job of taking the young players under his wing. It makes sense that Patrick Williams feels comfortable, like he knows what's going on on the offensive end when DeMar's out there. So I think finding players that Patrick Williams plays off of well 
that's going to be the key to finding his success. But it seems like it's pretty easy to find those given, you know, Kobe White seems to be one, DeMar seems to be one. Zach Levine is in the top four or three of the top four. So he's up there too. It's just, I really like the fact that Kobe White is the point guard in both of those. Yeah. Um, and you know, we're mentioning, we're talking about point guards, obviously. Uh, we haven't really talked about it a whole lot, but Lonzo Ball, we did get that news. We do have to kind of touch on that here, unfortunately. Um, so sorry, Bulls fans, opening up that fresh wound uh, once again. But uh, just just got news he's going to have a third surgery, and it's going to sideline him for most, if not all, of next season. So that would be, what, th- three years at the end of the – three and a half years at the end of this if he comes back at the end of last se- next season um, that he hasn't played bas- NBA basketball or – is it just three years? I'm not probably three and a half sounds, sounds wrong, but it's been a long time, right? I mean, the Bulls should get a bargain on his next contract. Yeah. I get uh, I'm glad he got paid before all of this happened, even if it is the Bulls that have to be the ones bearing the, the brunt of this, because he is, he is such a good player. He's put so much of his life into the game of basketball. I'm glad he got rewarded for that, but Seeing him miss, like you said, three years of, of games with this, and who knows what he's, what kind of player he's going to come back as if he can come back at all. Yeah. So, for me, I, I think he's got the basketball, the feel for the game. He's got the knowledge that he can play if his body's seventy-five percent, you know, sixty percent athletic athleticism. But does he want to do that? Does he have the drive to to get back in shape and to stay in shape because? Clearly, it's not easy for him to to work out like the, these other guys with as many issues as he has with his knee. So, for me, it's just it yeah. sucks. Yeah, it it does. I mean, there's nothing really good to take from this. Um, I think I said I think it was on Twitter that I said that I don't think you know when the when the news came out that they were showing him now for the season. I thought at that point that was the last. You know, we we would never see Lonzo Ball on the Bulls again. I don't. I think I still stick with that. I don't think he's gonna suit up for the Bulls again. Um, you know, if they end up getting him on a very cheap contract, maybe. I mean, maybe he plays like a backup role or something like that. Um, still a very young guy. Well, not very young, but he's still a youngish guy. So hopefully, he still has some good years left in him once he does get back to the court. But I really think it's gonna be rough for the Bulls to justify that. I don't. I don't think he suits up for the Bulls again. I really. I really not my heart of hearts. Don't think that's gonna happen. I hope he plays basketball again. That's kind of where we're at, right? I hope he plays NBA basketball again because this has now been two surgeries for the same issue and no results. You know, what's to say? I know they, they said they're optimistic a third surgery is going to fix this. So it sounds like maybe they figured out what exactly is wrong. But I my confidence level there is not high, Trey. So I'm just um, you know hoping for the, for the kid that he gets to play basketball again at the NBA level. Well, he'll have a player option um, the year after at $21 million. I cannot imagine that he turns that $21 million down. So the year at, so he'll miss all of next year, and the year after that, when he supposedly will be back, he sh- the, he'll, be on, he'll be on the Bulls because he's not turning down that player option. And I can't, yeah. I can't see a team trading for his contract and, unless, you know, maybe the Charlotte Hornets come knocking. But <laughs> for me, I like you said – I want to see him play an NBA game again. I would love for it to be on the Bulls, but to expect anything more than 10 minutes off the bench from him ever 
again, is just, I think, putting too high of expectations. Yeah. I mean, crazier things have happened, so you never know. I don't want to be too much of a downer. Um, you know, maybe he makes a full recovery. Maybe he does plays well, you know, plays another five, six years. And that would be great. I would be so happy for that. But uh, right now, I just don't feel like um, that, that's going to happen. So, um, but I think that's it, Trey. I think that's really all we had on our agenda today. Um, really all the big bulls, bullet points here from the last week and a half. Um, something else you want to mention? Um, Alex Caruso getting mm-hmm. a lot of de- defensive love for – the fact that the Bulls, I think, are a top 10 defensive team again yeah. this year. And it's not like people want to give Vooch any credit for being, you know, capable. So mm. it's all – Caruso, I've seen, has gotten a lot of love. I think it's very well-deserved for a guy who just brings it every – like every night he's on the court on that end. He's just after it. And I uh, can't say enough good things about Caruso. So let's end it on a nicer note <laughs> and celebrate Caruso. Well, now you're going to – no, because now you're going to make me bring up the, the, for the third time on this podcast. I think that the way he plays is just going to make him be a, like, 50 to 60 game per per season player. He just plays B-A-L-L-S out every single second of every game, and uh, he ends up on the sidelines a lot because he just gets injured so often. But, no, um, no, I, I, I'm going to go ahead and just uh, back you on that and say uh, it's a, it's absolutely a pleasure to watch him play basketball. Uh, I don't want to knock the guy too much, but it does concern me because every time I see him like a bowling ball on the floor, I'm like, dude, I don't think he's going to have a long career. I mean, that's honestly how I feel. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he, he definitely gets after it. But if he, yeah. can, if he can get in that 25-minute a game range, that's the perfect range for him. Yeah. So hopefully he does have a long career. But uh, anyways. That's going to do it for us, guys. That is your Bulls pod. We will be back with you uh, hopefully next weekend uh, to go ahead and break down some more Bulls action for you. Hopefully we get you know some wins under our belts here. Uh, I know we've got some ba- back-to-back coming up tomorrow and the day after, so um, some exciting stuff there. But until next time, I am Keith. You can find me on Twitter at, at BSBPKeith. And, Trey, where can people find you, man? On Twitter at FinalFinally. And do follow follow the shows at, at EthosBulls, at EthosBulls on Twitter. Let us know you're out there listening. Leave us a review. Uh, we would really appreciate it. But until that, until next time, guys, go Bulls. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.